0: This is Maker and Shaper. Welcome to episode two of a storytime series entitled, Racism, It's Not Black and White. Thank you for joining me. So if you actually listened to episode one, uh, I just have a little bit of a uh, confession to make. So episode one was uh, very well thought out. It was scripted. I wrote pages and pages of script. And uh, the reason I did this was because I really just didn't want to say the wrong thing. This subject matter is so important to me and I understand how sensitive a subject it is, particularly at this time. I really didn't want to get things wrong. I didn't want to be misunderstood. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to actually just be as clear uh, as possible. In fact, I have been reluctant to even speak on it. Um, But I guess that's just a personal challenge to myself to really just speak on whatever it is that the Lord is asking me to speak on and to not hold back on that. Um, So here goes. Um, This is episode two. There may be a, a few bullet points scribbled on a piece of paper, but there's certainly no script This is going to be a freestyle as the spirit leads um, analysis, uh, experiential testimony of this thing that we call racism and what it looks like in our times and what it could look like in the future. And how do we actually just um, goliath this thing? How do we chop its head off? How do we entirely uh, win the victory? I'm not sure how many more episodes will come out of this, but a quick recap of the first episode, I really advise you to go back and listen so that you can understand my background, where I'm coming from. One of the main things that I did point out in the first episode is that racism and an individual's understanding of it is really based on more than one thing. Uh, It often involves your perspective, your own experience, as well as what the truth might be. So it's it's a mixture. It's very individual, hence the title. This issue is not black and white. The pun is fully intended. It is not a subject matter that you can draw a nice, neat line down the middle uh, into two separate right and wrong camps it is certainly um, a diverse uh, range of I don't want to say range of truth because I do believe in absolute truth but certainly it is affected and justifiably so by experience and perspective so here goes I uh, just want to also make one more point Um, I think it's important and i'll probably pick up on it a bit later on in this podcast but when it comes to color because of my diverse background having a a white parent and a black parent and that being my norm my reality as i mentioned in episode one um i have a vivid memory as a child where i first understood that some people had their parents being both the same color and finding that a little bit strange um so that's where perspective comes into it so Because of my formative years and what I saw around me Color is not necessarily something that I see first Uh, When I've had this discussion with friends with people I know they've they've looked at me incredulous like what do you mean? You don't see color everybody sees color and I concede. Yes, of course. I do see color I just don't see color first so um, as I said this is coming from a place now which is not scripted. It's, it's off the top of my head. And I think sometimes the pursuit of perfectionism really robs you of the honesty of a raw, heartfelt um, testimony of, of, you know, where you even allow for error. You know, if I, whatever. This, it is what it is. Um, this is. This is my story. It's my podcast. And I hope, as I take my glasses off, you will understand uh, where I'm coming from. You don't have to agree, that's okay. But I honestly believe that the way to overcome this is through telling our stories. We're living in a climate where... Um, there's this real encouragement for mob mentality groupthink where everybody has to think the same way and people assume that you think the way they do the amount of times people have come up to me and said something assuming that my opinion was the same as theirs and I tell you what quite often my opinion isn't the mainstream Uh, I get my um my reference is always Holy Spirit, Kingdom. What is God saying about a matter? We have to remember the Bible talks about a time where what is good will be called evil, what is evil will be called bad. It also, you know, everything being flipped completely upside down. It also talks about a time when the elect will be deceived. So let none of us think that we are beyond deception. Let none of us think that we know everything because we don't. In fact, the first learning point that I would want to put out there is that if there's a part of you that really honestly believes that you know everything there is to know about racism your mind is set racism will not be overcome whatever that thing is that you believe about white people or black people and and you're set on it and you're not prepared to change understand that that, that you are a part of the problem if you are refusing to waver or move or find a truth that creates unity then you're part of the problem all right so my uh, story begins in chicago 2018 uh i was somewhere in Chicago, I love Chicago, uh, in a coffee shop doing some work on my laptop and got talking to a, a gentleman, turns out he's a journalist so he had a lot of information to share with me about the area, the history of the area, uh, we got talking, he asked me about Zimbabwe where I was raised, about London, you know we, we had a really nice conversation going, um, he asked to see pictures, I ended up showing him pictures of Zimbabwe that were on my laptop, he saw a picture of my parents And I noticed that his whole expression completely changed when it became apparent to him that my father was white. Now I'm not saying that this would be the reaction I'd get from every Chicagoan or every African American or every American, but this was his reaction. And the the conversation then took a whole other trajectory and he began to tell me that it is impossible for black people and white people to live together in harmony without one particularly the white man, uh, overpowering, ruling over the other. Uh, I assured him that if anything, my mother was the one who ruled in my household and my dad's a good man. You know, there's, there's not a racist bone in his body. Um, unless you get him talking about, you know, World War II and and the French, but even then it's just in jest. Um, but he's certainly not racist towards black people. Anyway, he, um, he clearly had a very stuck perception that, There's no way that black and white can coexist, there's no kind of unity. In fact, he made me feel like I was this naive little girl that thought, you know, we can all just get along, we can all love each other, and and everything will be fine. Um, to put it into more, you know, so you understand even more what this conversation was about, I also explained to him that when I was growing up in the 90s in Harare, Zimbabwe, and I I hope some of you listening to this might be able to testify to the same I know that my group of friends my circle of of people that I was involved in would agree with me that we really didn't care about the color of our skin we had reached a level of relationship and understanding with one another where it was literally the last thing that we considered we were just people, we were characters, you know, if you thought of somebody, the first thing that you thought of wasn't, oh, that black guy, or that white girl, or that Indian person, or that brown skin, red skin, it was more to do with, oh, the guy who raps, oh, the woman who does the charity work with the street kids, whatever it might be, like, people were defined by things that that really reflected the content of their character their skills their abilities their personality and and we had white people dating black people and indians dating you know it, it was just a wonderful diverse garden of 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 people just you know and it was literally some of the best times of my life for that very reason um and and when i explained to him that it is possible and i think that's what i want to be the main message of this second episode because I think that once we sow the seed of hope we can then start looking at how it might happen but I just want to pray that if there are any people out there that are listening to this podcast and actually thinking that there will always be an us and them whatever color you are if you have it in your in your in your mind frame in your thought processes in your in your cells in your DNA if it's in you the thinking process or the thought process rather that says there's us and them, there always will be, we're different, we're not the same, I just pray that today you might consider that that might not be the case. And in particular, if you are church people, if you are Christians, if you are kingdom, you know, the Bible says that we're created equal, male and female, full stop. You know, the, the, the differences that we see in the color of our skin is just to do with the diversity of creation. That's how God creates. And of course, you know, the different the pigment is to do with the sunshine and, you know, protecting you from the sun. And all these different things are created on purpose. And we know that God loves diversity. He would not have created diversity if it was not meant to coexist equally. What's happened is that there's, of course, this this. This common enemy that we all have who comes in to bring division, who comes in to cause us uh, to be divided for, for whatever reason. And it's usually for things that we can see. You have more money than me. You're a different color than I am. You're a different sex. You're a different race. Am I saying that there is no racism in the world? No, I'm not saying that. There is racism in the world. It, 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 it is very much something that you know still needs to be dealt with in in many different uh, sections of our society are we where we used to be absolutely not absolutely not there's nobody who can say we're where we used to be slaves are not being traded across the the atlantic ocean anymore and even if we look at the history of those things you know there's all kinds of things that will set you free particularly if you feel that you're a black person and you've been fed this mentality that you know, slavery was something that was exclusive to black people, or black people were exclusively the only ones who were slaves, and white people were exclusively the only ones who were slave owners, I would encourage you to look at history. I would encourage you to do some research. You will find that in America there were black slave owners. You will find that there were Arabs who traded Africans to Americans, and that there were other slave trades that happened across Europe and in other parts of the world. It doesn't diminish the transatlantic slave trade, it doesn't diminish any of them any slavery shouldn't happen at any point ever based on those kinds of principles but I just I just want there to I just believe that there has to be a refresh in our thinking it's almost like we have to hit the refresh button, because this is one thing I want to say one thing I want to commend my parents for, when I was growing up, as much as there was all of this you know, clearly turmoil going on around me. I was born in 74. The country became independent in 1980. There was a war going on, but we were blissfully unaware. We somehow escaped that. Now, that was my experience. Did everybody have that experience? No, I'm sure they didn't, right? But one thing my parents did not do, and I don't think they even planned to not do it. It's just the way it was, They didn't pass their hurtful experiences onto me. They didn't pass their expectation of racism onto me. So my mother, being a woman who was arrested, a black woman who was arrested for being out on the street past curfew, who was arrested for being in areas that she wasn't supposed to be in because of the colour of her skin, who was uh, often in trouble or beaten because she was dating a white man, she did not pass on her her pain as far as racism goes took to me I know she has some pain and some of her pain doesn't just extend to the actions of white people it also extends to the actions of black people towards her so again her experience is unique to her but what she went through was not passed on to me. I think I also, in some way, had an understanding that your experiences, respectfully, mom, are not going to be my experiences. In the same way, my father had his experiences, his own oppression that he went through. My dad's a ginger, he's got ginger hair. You know, and if you know anything about England, you know how how people with ginger hair go through some kind of torture and torment, especially back then. You know, some of the stories he told me and the things that he went through just because he had ginger hair, Um, that can hurt a person just as much as being vilified for the for having dark skin or for being Indian or for having a strange accent you know we're all human and all skin bleeds when it's cut but I I do commend my parents that they didn't insist they didn't sit me down and say okay this is going to happen to you because it happened to me instead they equipped me with you know the kind of skills that i would need to make the best i could out of my own life without blaming somebody else or expecting the worst but rather expecting the best and actually i I put that down even to the amazing education system that i grew up in 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 zimbabwe zimbabwe had and still has probably one of the best education systems you'd find anywhere in the world um and i mentioned that to say that you know during oh and this is a sensitive part of this discussion but it has to be said during the the, the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movements, I saw um, respectfully, I say this respectfully because I think a lot of these parents really feel that this was the right thing that they were doing and maybe it was, but this is just my observation. I saw parents uh, putting their children on Facebook, Instagram, wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts and having them say things that they had clearly rehearsed with them, or cajoled them, or even encouraged them to say, and some of these children said it, you know, enthusiastically, I would have been that kid, because, you know, I was a performer, put a camera out, I would have said whatever you wanted me to say, and then there were those that seemed uncomfortable, and that was the majority, I felt, of children, you know, when you're getting a five, six, and seven-year-old to say, please don't kill me, because the color of my skin I think we have to understand that psychologically what that is doing to a child is instilling a great amount of fear. It's almost, it's almost expecting something bad to happen. And, and I think again as Christians, please keep your kingdom mind on when you hear this. As Christians, we really have to consider the power of words and we really have to ask ourselves, you know, what, what kind of world are we creating for our children? We know that the world was created with words. The Lord said, let there be, and there was. Are we as parents, as adults, as mentors, passing on our pain to our children? Because I went through this struggle, you will go through this struggle. You know, and just to be even a little bit more specific, I would, you know, look at the youth and say, look, if you come across the police, you know, do not give that that bad apple policeman, that that wicked, nasty, racist policeman, because there are some of them. Some of them do exist, but not all. Please, let's not lie to ourselves. It's not all of them. Because there are racists in every sector of our society. There are racists in the police force, racists in government, racist teachers, racist nurses, doctors, taxi drivers, racist bus drivers. There are racist mothers, fathers, racist everythings. How do you police that? You can't, it cannot be policed. That's why the change has to start with the individual family members not passing on their own pain. We can't bleed on our children. What we do is we declare a good future over them. We keep them informed of the realities of what's going on, but teach them to be respectful of the authorities. Teach them to comply. If they're being wrongfully harassed, let them take it up in court at a later date with their life still in them. Do not resist. Do not put yourself in a position to get hurt. I just pray that we would be honest with one another that a a proper dialogue needs to happen while there may need to be a revamp uh, and and certainly I would imagine there is in how policing happens especially in communities where the policemen look so different to the people that, that, that they're policing their backgrounds are so different again let me reiterate this is where storytelling comes in let that policeman tell you his story that white policeman that you despise so much you might find that he lives with his mother who is, a, I don't know, let's say a 75 year old cancer patient and she's, she's almost dying and his wife left him, she cheated on him with his best friend and his children don't speak to him and he's a miserable, unhappy, sad person, right? And he comes to work and he's in the worst mood ever, he doesn't like his job, he doesn't appreciate you know, where he's been placed, he doesn't understand the people that are in the community that he, he works in. And then the people that he's working with, he doesn't understand their pain or working for, serving the communities. He doesn't understand what they go through, what it feels like to not have certain things that he maybe takes for granted. I mean, and on and on and on, there's so much to this. But as parents, as elders, as mentors, we must not pass on our pain to the children. We must teach them the right way to do things because then all you can do is hope for the best, right? There's no guarantee any of us are going to see tomorrow and, and see it all the way through. Anything can happen for any number of reasons. I mean, I, I don't know why my mind is crazy, but I'm, I'm suddenly thinking about, you know, even those silly movies where people just die from stupid stuff, you know, like a, a radio, electric something falling in the bathtub, God forbid. but. We can't guarantee anything in this life, but we can be responsible for our own reaction. We can't be responsible for another person's actions. But if we continue to build our own positive actions, our own full of love actions, eventually that has to spread out, that has to drive the fear away, that has to push the fear out. And the more we tell our stories, the more we begin to understand each other. you know, The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the utterance of our testimony. I'm reminded of that scripture. I know it's not exactly the same thing, but in telling your testimony, in telling how you've overcome something, you give someone else the courage to overcome it. We have to keep dialogue open. We have to allow ourselves the space to disagree. We have to be able to be honest and say, you know what? I thought this, but I was wrong. I I need to look at that again. I need to, I just want us all to know, please, I'm going to bring it to an end because this is 20 minutes now. And I think maybe we'll even get one more out of this, um, one more episode out of this series. The main things I need you to leave this podcast with number one, all skin bleeds when it's cut. Everybody has some story of suffering whether you were ostracized because you were overweight because you were a ginger like my dad or because of the color of your skin understand that there are racists on every side of that spectrum as someone who was mixed and in the middle i have seen it on both sides i've been around black women and i say that just to make the distinction in this case and i've not been black enough for them and then i've been around white people And I'm not white enough for them. Now I know I'm I'm neither black nor white and I'm happy with that. You can call me black, I'm happy with that. That's fine. Which brings me to the last point that I wanna make. And it's tied to the, the other thing I want you to take away from this. It is possible, unlike my journalist friend that I met in Chicago in 2018, it is possible for human beings to coexist and not see color first. You can get to know people beyond the shade of their skin. You can get to know them beyond the shade of their skin to the point where it becomes irrelevant, insignificant, and just really a non-issue. It is possible. Now this same gentleman, I started with him, so I'll finish with him. I remember him, you know, I explained to him as I spoke about in my first episode that in Zimbabwe, people born to black and white parents were called colored. He told me how that that word was unacceptable. I said, I understand that. I've been in the UK for long enough and I know that it's not a term that is used. We then, you know, talked about who makes up these terms anyway, who decides what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. You know, it changes so much over the years. Is there a committee, like I said in episode one, that decides these things, Um, Anyway, I say all of that to say that he then said to me, which is something I want you all to think about for for the next podcast. He said to me, you know, you can call yourself a colored or, you know, whatever mixed. You want to call yourself half and whatever, but it doesn't matter because the white man is always going to see you as black. I want that to sink in I don't know if you're gonna catch it the white man will always think of you as black now I've got a lot to say about that I'll just say this my response to him because I, I felt like he was almost trying to make me feel as if I was trying to make myself seem better than I was and that the white man was gonna come in with a verdict that would put me right back in my place Ha! you're still just a black woman And I didn't understand how this strong, intelligent black man would say that because he was clearly missing the part where, oh, let me say it like this. My response to him was, well, I mean, I don't care, to be honest, how the white man sees me respectfully. I don't care how any man sees me. I don't care. I don't care it makes no difference to me some people look at me and they think I'm from South America some people look at me and they think I'm from Asia somewhere I've had people think I'm from the islands in the Caribbean sometimes people come to Africa last and that's where I'm actually from I don't care I'm a child of God I'm a child of God I'm a human being my skin bleeds the same way as yours and I don't care what any person sees me as But even more interesting, I asked him, why is it even up to the white man to define me? When did the white man get the badge that says, I hold all identity in my hand and I get to say what you are and what you are not? And why is it that we have white people and then everybody else, this wonderful myriad of such diversity, we're all supposed to just be called black. It's almost as if, well, if you're not white, it's not worth defining any of your peculiarities. We just know you're not white, so you're black. So please understand, finally, in closing, and I really am going to go this time. Who you are is not defined by anyone not by the white man, not by your mother or your father, not by the person that bullied you, not by the person who was racist towards you, not by anyone except for the one that made you, the author of your life, the Alpha and Omega in whom are escapes from death, God himself, Abba, Father, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, who provides for you, he tells you who you are, he gives you your identity. And if you're still looking for somebody else to validate who you are, again, you need healing. If you still believe that people can't coexist of different races or different cults, you need healing. Come before the Lord and receive it. Now is your day of deliverance. It's time to get delivered, people, because it is going to be up to the church to stand against this divisive spirit that the enemy is letting rampant into the earth. They cannot control us if we are unified. But if we are divided, they will conquer. They will conquer us. And one day it may look like things are in your favor because you're getting to protest or shout the loudest. But come tomorrow, when another group is shouting and protesting, you might be on the wrong end of that. We need to bring love back into this equation. The love of God, the perfect love of God that casts out all fear. We need to be patient with one another. We need to listen to one another. We need to keep no record of wrongs. We need to look to the future and not pass our pain on to our children. Let's stop bleeding upon each other. I do think I'm going to get one more episode out of this subject and then we're going to move on to something else. But um, I would really love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your stories. Please leave me a voice note. Um, Tell me which parts of what I've spoken about have have ministered to you the most. I'd love to hear your comments. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let's just talk. It's good to talk. I love to talk. Um, Let's learn from each other. And let's not despise if we disagree. I love you all so much. I'm sending so much love out into the world and just praying for for unity, for peace and for all good things. We serve a good God and we give him all the glory. Thank you for listening. This is Maker and Shaper.